The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It is the Full Court Press. Happy Friday, everybody, wherever and however you are joining us on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. 1069thefan.com is where we're streaming. Or if you're holding that beautiful small device called a telephone, I guess a cell phone, it's on through the app on uh, the 1069 The Fan mobile app. What are you laughing at? AJ, I can't even see your face, and I can already tell you're laughing at me. Every introduction, you just start laughing. No, I'm uh, just happy to be here. son of a... I'm just happy to be here. Ungrateful fetch. AJ Knight there. I'm AJ Salveson. Eric Franson. We're going to have him on in just a moment. He'll be joining us from a remote location. He's getting a well-deserved getaway today. He's uh, he's been a very busy man. He's been very stressed out. Um, I haven't checked his blood pressure in a while as a responsible co-host would, but I can only imagine what it is. Are you going to say all this stuff when he's not on the show in like half an hour? Are you going to tell him that, nah, he's bailing out early for the weekend. He's taking a a two-and-a-half-day weekend. Because you've never done that, have you? You've never bailed out for the weekend, have you? No. Irresponsible, AJ. That's what you are. Uh, Eric Franson <laughs> joins us from afar in a remote <laughs> location unknown to us and unknown to anybody else listening. Hey, by the way, if you want to text into our show, 435-339-0321. Again, to text into our show, it's 435-339-0321. Uh, message and data rates apply per service to your contract. Eric, how are we? AJ, I would never let you close enough to me to take my blood pressure. That's irresponsible on your part. I'm a very good no, blood it's, it's pressure checker. That's personal safety reasons right there. Personal safety. I want to know what the personal part stands for. Uh, <laughs> Eric, uh, happy Friday to you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, let's get started. I wanna, we wanna By the way, I hope you, I hope you made sure to let the Mrs. Ringmaster know that the treats were... Were uh, were welcomed. They were uh, devoured. They were delicious. I and uh, I hope I hope she knows that uh, we appreciate her efforts. I told her that you threw the Reese's away, though. Without even opening it, you no, threw it away. I wasn't the I one who threw them that. away. I I was so blindly offended. throwing away a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay, AJ, help me. Are you a dark chocolate guy? Yeah. So little does bit. a dark Reese's peanut butter cup sound good at all? I mean, I love chocolate and peanut butter, so yes. That's gross. That I mean, if so you really want to get into Amen. a debate, Amen. I get this debate all the time on here because I'm not from Utah. We don't say Reese's where I'm from. It's Reese's. Wow. Reese's? Reese's. Wow. That explains a lot about your native island. I've, I've not heard that one before. <laughs> native island. It's good. <laughs> Uh, Eric, let's get right into it. Uh, we know that you're out with uh, friends and family, so we don't want to keep you too long. Hey, uh, we'll start here. Utah State, New Mexico tonight, game uh, two of their series. Uh, Aggies trying to complete another sweep. It would be their third in a row in these two-game series uh, before they get ready for a huge showdown with the San Diego State Aztecs next Thursday and Saturday. Going into this game, did you, or going into this series, did you feel confident about the Aggies versus New Mexico, or did it surprise you of what they're able to do to the Lobos? Um, I, I was confident in USU's ability to get a win at New Mexico just because they haven't really looked that great in conference play, and Utah State is looking good in conference play. But 
it's an unfamiliar territory and New Mexico has had good players in the past. They've had some decent coaching in the past. So, um, yeah, I didn't want to overlook them too much, but, uh, I don't know that I would have suspected the type of drubbing that they gave them on Wednesday night. I think tonight will be a little bit different story. I think it'll be a closer game. It's pretty, that's, that's pretty much the pattern in these games in conference play, not just for USU, but like Boise State even too. When they play these bad teams, they're kind of mirrors of each other right now and who they've played in conference. But when they play the first game in, a, in the two-game series against these bad teams, they're big, wide-margin blowouts. The second game, they still win by double digits, but it's closer. It's more competitive. And, and honestly, I don't... I don't think I see anything different for tonight. I think it'll be a similar pattern. Utah State will still, I think, take care of these guys by 15 points or more. But I think it'll be a closer matchup. I think that they'll, they don't want to get embarrassed like that again. But uh, just the way that Utah State's playing and, and to see what, what, what adjustments New Mexico makes to make it difficult on them. And the Aggie players might take them a little bit lightly. I don't know. I mean, they shouldn't. But in the second game in these series, they tend to be a little bit closer matchups. Okay, uh, yeah, sorry. I was looking at AJ. I didn't know if he had a question. If not, hey, uh, Eric, the Aggies have played one of the, in fact, since 2001. This schedule so far this year, and with the way I guess the schedule they opened up with this year, was the toughest schedule since the Camp Palm era began, as each of its first opponents were ranked among the, the top 100 in the nation. Um, now, Utah State's one of just eight teams in the country to face four top 100 teams over the course of the first four games of the 2021 season, are you surprised with their progression from game one to now? Just as an overall team from where they started the season? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that we knew that uh, Keta was going to be back. We knew that Bean would be back. Uh, we know they were good foundational guys coming back. Uh, Brock Miller was coming back, but he's, had a history of being you know, hot or cold. Um, but beyond that, there were a lot of new faces, and we just didn't know how they were going to fit in. Marco, An- uh, Marco Anthony was around the program a year ago, but really we don't know. We didn't know how he was going to fit as a starter or a significant role player. Alfonso Anderson, he played well in moments off the bench, but would he be consistent? And then all of the other new guys. So I think the first couple of games of the season, this coaching staff was still trying to figure out, okay, we look one way in practice, but how do we look in a real game situation? And then I think it just took them a little bit to get that dialed in and figured out. And I think they do have it dialed in and figured out now. Uh, just the way that they're playing in conference play, the aggressive defense, uh, they just seem more loose and more comfortable and, and following the game plan. Uh, they just they're looking a lot better now and you kind of i don't know i mean you kind of look back and think boy would it have been much different if craig smith was on the sidelines for that byu game Uh, that would have been a really good win for him but uh it it is what it is that game is done and and over he can't go back and change anything but just the way that they're playing now yeah i think they've made a lot of growth so far in the young season for the aggies I mean, I completely agree with you, Eric, because also you add in the fact that I think your point about BYU is good. Don't forget how many times their opponent changed when they went to that tournament in South Dakota. Um, we got a text message, 1534 says, let's pump the brakes on how good this team is. They played the worst teams in the oh, conference. Mike, we've had this conversation. 
So that your thoughts on that, but I was also going to add you on ask you just generally since you kind of have already touched on it. What is the difference between this team starting out slow and now going for eight straight wins, which personally I think they'll get tonight. Well, so um, in their conference games, they're scoring on average 85 points a game-ish, and they're allowing their opponents only 52. It's a wide margin. That's nuts. Yes. They're outscoring their opponents in conference play by 35 points. That's ridiculous. But, you, you know, yes, the text is correct. It's against the bottom of the conference. So they should be beating them. Should they be beating them by 35 points a game on average? A good team should be beating the bad teams by a wide margin. I agree. It, it We shouldn't be too exuberant or too over the top over this team because, look, they've played some pretty bad competition. But Ajay and I keep going back to look what San Jose State did against Boise. Played them to the wire and almost had them beat. Air Force, what did they do? At Nevada, they won at Nevada. So these teams have the ability to beat anybody. I mean, Utah State's not even allowing them to sniff that kind of uh, uh, chance in these games. So it's impressive. I, I like kind of how they've grown. But yes, uh, until they start playing Wyoming and Colorado State and San Diego State and Nevada, I think that's when we'll really get a sense of where this team honestly really is. But, man, get a nice head of steam going into those games with confidence and rotations understood and system understood. So when those games happen, they're ready for them. Hey, let, let me now, ask. You have to remind me, the, the other part of that question, I forgot. I only answered the first part. What was the difference in the team at the beginning of the season compared to now? Because I think they'll get their eighth straight win tonight. Yeah, I think just the bigger difference is just the coaching staff and the players understanding who they are and what's what. They didn't, they weren't able to practice like they normally practice. They weren't able to come together like they normally would like to come together. There were a lot of new players, new faces, new roles. So I think it just took them a little bit to, to figure it out. Um, I, I, yeah, there were some games that got away from them in South Dakota, but, um, I think that that's just my, my uh, observation is just that they needed some time together, and they've they've got that, and now they're they're hitting on all cylinders. So I want to ask both of you. So Boise State's five and zero, Utah State's five and zero, Colorado State's four and one, San Diego State's two and one. Your top five teams right now in the Mountain West. And Eric, I'll ask you first. Now that you've seen, or now that we've seen a few games in the Mountain West, who are the two or three biggest teams here? Now that you've actually seen them in in some conference play and some actual games that you're worried about that with Utah State competing against? Well, uh, I think that I suspected that Boise State would be a good team coming into the season, and they've proven to be a really solid team. Um, that game, uh, that team is 9-1. and one. They're probably going to get some, uh, some votes in the AP Top 25 coaches, Top 25. They should. I think they're getting a few, but they should get a lot more. Um, Colorado State's surprising me, uh, and San Diego State's always tough, and they look like they're they're tough again. So I, I think those are the three teams that are most concerning. But you know, Nevada's had some really good recruits over the last just uh, two seasons. A lot of young, really good players. I think it's a good coach there. So it's always a tough place to play, I mean, tough team to play against. And I think Wyoming's been a bit of a surprise too with their new head coach. So that that middle 
that top to middle part of the, the league is, is pretty tough. After that, there's a big drop off, a significant drop off, but it, the, the, the top half of the Mountain West is, is pretty tough this year so far. Brock Miller is, is found like he's, or it seems like he's got his shooting range back. He's averaging just above 13 points per game. He's shooting about 48% from the floor, 43% from deep. That's according to Kyle Cotton, the media relations director for men's basketball, does a wonderful job. Uh, he averaged, he opened the year averaging just about five and a half points per game with 36% shooting from the floor and 41 from three. How big of a difference has it made for this team with Brock Miller upping his average and being more consistent and more productive in his shooting? Oh, Ajay, you and I have talked about this a lot. I think it's huge. Um, you know, Brock Miller makes a significant difference. Um, I, I think Utah State can win if he's struggling. I think they have the ability to still win. But when he's on, man, they're a tough, real tough team to beat because he hits that outside shot. He stretches the floor. He makes defenses respect him. It opens up more spacing for Keta and Bean in the post. They can't just collapse down on those guys and not worry about the bad three-point shooter out on the range. So I think that it makes a huge difference when he's hitting. Now opposing defenses have to plan for Brock Miller. You have to chase him around whenever he's moving without the ball. You can't just kind of let him slide around and then just you know casually rotate to go pick him up. Because if you do, he'll burn you. So I think that makes a huge difference when he is... When he's hitting, and uh, that makes it, and it doesn't just have to be him. But when there is a, a consistent outside threat from Utah State, I think that makes a huge difference. When you've got a really talented guy or a couple of guys that can do damage in the post, you have that one-two punch. That's really tough for teams to try to handle. Hey, Eric. So after the uh, New Mexico game tonight, the next four are at home against San Diego State and at home against Colorado State. And the last four of the season are at Boise State or and home against Nevada. Which four is more important to you when it comes to Utah State potentially winning the Mountain West? Oh, that's good. Um, man, uh, probably, gosh, it, it might be the last four um, just because that San Diego State team has already got a loss. Um, Boise doesn't. Boise's really good. They're 9-1. I, I think they're the top team in the Mountain West right now. So I, I think that that series and then uh, you know a, a road trip that has to be mixed in there too. Uh, well, like I guess that is at Boise. But that Nevada team is, is a decent team. The Aggies have not always had their way against Nevada. So... I don't know. I'd probably be leaning more towards that last four-game series. I don't know about you guys. What do you guys think? Uh, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I'm with Eric. It's, it's the last four-game series. You yeah. think so? And it's usually how you end, not how you start, right? Um, can you get on, on some kind of momentum going into the Mountain West Conference Tournament? Uh, or can you – I mean, because you can easily lose momentum right after the first series, right after the second series. It, it can be crushed. If you can gain momentum going into the tournament itself – Teams like Wyoming last year is an incredibly good example. They got hot in the final two games of regular season play and carried that in so much that they got to the semifinal last year and actually had a lead over Utah State midway or late in the second half. And so I, I feel like if you if you get hot late, you have a good chance to be able to push something through into the tournament confidence-wise, momentum-wise as well. 
No, I think that makes yeah, sense. That, that's a good point. I was going to say the first four, but I think that I, I believe Utah State will tread water. So, I mean, I think you both would agree that at that point in time, if Utah State continues to play the way we think they are, they may have a loss here or there just because, as Eric alluded to, that top half of the conference is really good. But you may very well see the uh, Mountain West title decided in those last four games. Net rankings as of today, Boise State has slipped just a little. They're at 18. They're still super high. Um, San Diego State is at 30, so they keep moving up. Uh, Colorado State is nudged up a little bit, too. They're at 38. And then uh, Utah State um, kind of holding steady where they're at. They're at – no, excuse me, totally wrong. They actually bumped up quite a bit. They jumped up to 68, and they were previously at 82. So big gains for the Aggies. But that that's some good basketball happening in the top level of the of the Mountain West Conference right now. And I – I think Ajay, you make a great point. You know, coming into the the conference tournament with a with some momentum on your side after if you win those four games, Boise State and Nevada, that's huge. Uh, you you put yourself in a position to have the number one seed or at least have momentum, knowing you beat one of or if not the top team in the league. Uh, let's go to the NBA hardwood now. Milwaukee gets set to play the Utah Jazz five o'clock or yes yeah, six o'clock tonight. Excuse me. Uh, will be game time, but we will not air that game on this station as the Skyview Bobcats will be getting ready to play tonight. Uh, John Newbill will take over the airwaves. Good one too. Six forty six or six fifty, I should say. Hey, uh, Eric, Utah Jazz right now four and four. They're fifth in the Western Conference. Bucks are five and three, but they're sixth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this Bucks team right now doesn't look as dominant as they were a year ago. And I know, I mean, they played late into I guess the summer. I guess maybe early fall during that uh, Eastern Conference run and in the bubble run in the playoffs. But is this Milwaukee team still, do you feel like they can be as dominant as long as Giannis stays healthy? Or do you feel like they maybe lost a step uh, with some roster changes, not major roster changes, but a couple small roster changes going into the season? Um, yeah, I think that Milwaukee's still dangerous. I mean, they're, they've got so many weapons. They can put up a ton of points. I mean, they set the NBA record for three-pointers in a game. Everybody on that team can shoot. Um, Giannis is is so tough to handle. That all being said, I, I think Utah State matches up well uh, against Milwaukee, and I think that they've played well against them historically. It's true. But Aggies going into this game tonight, I don't know what to say about the Jazz. I mean, they're so hot and cold um, in the middle of a game and from game to game. So I uh, uh, I can't predict what's going to happen with Utah and what they're going to look like tonight. Um, an 18-point game at New York, and then they lose by 12. I mean, it's just so up and down for this team. Just that game alone epitomizes the season, the young season so far for the Jazz. Eric, Ajay and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, and I thought I made a good point. Uh, isn't this kind of par for the course for the Jazz? Because I feel like... Granted, you guys are much bigger Jazz fans than I am, but I feel like the last few years we've seen the same thing. The Jazz seem to kind of get out of the gate slow, and then by the All-Star break they're really humming and they find themselves consistently kind of shuffling up and down in that you know three to six seed slot. Yeah, we were. Yeah, you know, this is a team that you know, generally speaking, in a normal season, November and December, they'd be okay. They'd be kind of mediocre, not great. They'd win some games. They'd lose some games that they probably should have won, or uh, they might kind of surprise and beat a, a team above them. But they'd just kind of be, yeah, you know, there, okay, not not blowing anybody's socks off. 
And then at some point in January, they'd get hot. And uh, then they'd just start clicking and just be dominant and really looking good. So it, it would take them, you know, eight weeks, uh, 10 weeks to really dial in to where they need to be. And uh, this is a shorter season. They don't have that luxury to, to take that much time. But that's part of the reason why I'm not like totally overreacting and hitting any panic button for the I Jazz agree. just yet. Because I know with Quinn Snyder's system and the way these guys are, it takes them a little bit to get all dialed in to what their roles are, what they're asked to do, and what they, what, how to get it done. So I don't know. I mean, yes, it's frustrating. Um, there's things that we'd all love to see done differently, but you know, I don't know that it's overreaction time just yet. But I think you're right, AJ. It, this is team historically has kind of a slow start out of the gates and then eventually gets gets humming. Uh, Sam Merrill, who has been dealing with some ankle problems, will be active tonight. He is dressing for the Bucks with Pat Connington out and Sam Merrill in. You could see Sam Merrill get a few more minutes, hopefully. Uh, for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, against the Jazz. I, I don't know if I've a- had a chance to ask you, Eric. Give me your thoughts so far on Sam Merrill in the NBA. He looks like he's been a really good fit for a team that really does believe in him. I, I see a bright future with him and the Bucks. I do too. I, I don't know why. Um, I was told this today. I need to verify it. But apparently there's some beat writer in Salt Lake who every time he refers to Sam Merrill – he has to qualify it by saying the unathletic Sam Merrill with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that's such a stupid crutch uh, that someone's not really paying attention to his game. Here's a guy that he can play on an NBA roster. It's, he's proven it. Um, he Not only was he drafted, but we're seeing him play regular minutes. Um, he's doing stuff regularly um, with with the Bucks. And I think with Pat Connaughton out with his groin injury, uh, I think that Sam, I don't know that he necessarily takes all of those minutes, but he has an opportunity there to play more of an expanded role. He's proven he's a solid outside shooter. He's proven he can play defense. Um, he can assist and uh, help his teammates. So, yeah, I, I think that he has a role on an NBA team. Uh, granted, like the Jazz, you have to be a little bit cautious of going too far one way or the other. With with Sam, just it's a new, it's a young season, and we don't know, you know, everything how it's going to play out. But so far, it's been awesome to see what he's been able to do for the Bucks. Keeping in mind there were only eight games in the season, Eric. Obviously, the big off-season goal of the Jazz was to try and find a little bit more depth after they kind of ran out of gas without Bojan in the bubble. Uh, what do you think of this team eight games in, in terms of the the I guess rotations and the in the depth that they have uh, when it comes to this season? Well, I think I think one of the things is Boyan and his health. I don't think his wrist is all the way there. Uh, his jump I think he was been. hopeful, you know, that he'd be back. He'd join the team a little bit earlier than we all thought he would, and then he struggled with the shot. Then he had a game where he was hitting, and then his wrist hurts, and he's got to wear a brace. And so, you know, I just don't think that he's fully there. And until he is, I think that kind of blunts the offense a little bit. Um, the defensive rotations are kind of hit and miss. So I think that the offense will, will get there. I think it's the need consistent defense. Um, and their defense was saving them in some of their games earlier, but 
the way that they've allowed some teams to really just kill them with a great guard play, that's just been a, a problem that this Utah Jazz coaching staff, frankly, has not been able to figure out for a couple of seasons. I want to thank you for not bringing up the draft either. I didn't want to have AJ yell about it for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so give us your keys tonight. Actually, let's do this. Give us your keys tonight for an Aggie win, and then uh, let's get your keys for tonight to see if the Jazz can get an upset over the Bucks. Well, look, for the Aggies, I, I think it's, you know, keep doing what's working, right? Don't – why change anything? Um, I think it's got to be strong post presence uh, because that's, that's New Mexico's strength. So good defense in the post, limit Malawatch, um, and uh, Justin Bean. That puts a lot on Justin and, and uh, Nimi's shoulders. Um, but then on the flip side, uh, I w- I'd like to see a little better outside shooting for the Aggies, but that's just kind of a you know cherry on top if necessary. But I think it's just keep going with that aggressive defense. Stifle what New Mexico wants to try to do, fluster them, uh, and, and just continue to get after them. Uh, aggressively and I think a lot of other things will fall into place if they do that and I think for the Jazz it's got to be kind of something similar to be honest actually I think it's got to be how well does does Rudy Gobert defend Giannis Um, I think we might see if they decide to go big um, will uh, will Derek Favors play alongside uh, Rudy Gobert so he can defend uh, the Lopez uh, center who can pop a three-pointer in your eye because otherwise who's going to guard Giannis if it's not Rudy (laughs) it's not going to be Boyan so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how Quinn Snyder uh, uh, maybe mixes up his lineup tonight and mixes up his his rotations and he might do it anyway just because he needs to get trying to find a spark or a a group of guys together they're going to play well together to keep things flowing so I wouldn't be surprised if Quinn Snyder kind of plays with his lineups a little bit tonight. All right. Well, Eric, hey, we know we got to get back to uh, some partying and spend some time with your family and friends. Hope you're doing well. Look forward to having you back Monday. I'm doing well because the Mrs. Ringmaster made some really – All right. That's going to do it for uh, this segment of the Full Court Press. We'll come back, and we will talk about a coach who has uh, – uh, is actually gotten a contract extension, surprisingly, and – Someone spoke it into, as Eric likes to say, existence. We're going to talk about who that coach is and oh, why the fetch he got an extension oh, and much, much more on the Full Court Press. Agent Adam, Ajay Salson, Eric Franson is gone. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press, AJ Nada, I'm AJ Salison. Eric is out. Appreciate him joining us and taking about 30 minutes with us uh, talking Aggies and Jazz. AJ and I will go deeper into that conversation later into the show. Aggies and Lobos play at 7 o'clock tonight. That game was slated for 9 o'clock. has been moved two hours uh, back, or I guess two hours. That'd be four. I don't know. What'd that be? Two hours earlier, I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Do that. Two hours earlier than was originally (laughs) scheduled. It was scheduled for 9 o'clock which would have been 10 o'clock in Lubbock, Texas time. Right. So they moved it back to 7 o'clock Mountain Time, so that's uh, that's good for the Aggie fans. Craig Smith, when I asked him about it, he was thrilled about that idea of having that game moved back uh, so uh, you know they can get off get, or get onto the plane and get home a little bit earlier. 
at a more decent time. Aggies Lobos against 7 o'clock. That game will be on FS1. Uh, pre-game with Al Lewis and Jalen Moore will be at 6 o'clock. Post-game immediately following the game with Jalen Moore, Al Lewis, and John Russell will also be in studio to, uh, to draw. Hey, speaking about being all over the place, you're here. Yep. You're calling a game tonight for Logan. Yep. I'm mad I didn't get asked to do that game, by the way. I mean, is this a good time to mention I'm doing color for Green Canyon tomorrow against Madison? Do I suck that bad? I must. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. Uh, so, okay, well then, you so you've caught tonight, you've got tomorrow afternoon, Yep. and then you've got Mountain Crest games Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, back-to-back, yep. Uh, and then you've got a game Friday. No, they're at Logan, I think, so Al's got okay, that so one. You're off if, okay, if Al's able to do it. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Aggies play Thursday and Saturday, so yeah, that'd be you. Yep. All right. Uh, well, yeah, so you're not busy at all. Thanks for taking the time to join <laughs> me today. I'm sorry that they don't ask me to do anything around here. That I have the well, easy I figures you out. and I were going to team up for that Hunter game from Mount Crest. And then oh, that one man, I was so canceled. bummed about that. I was actually really excited about that game, too. Hey, uh, a, a friend of mine, good friend of mine, Tyler Thompson, he, before the season ended, Tyler told me and about three other people that Harbaugh would get an extension. Right. And I laughed. And I said, you're out of your mind. There's no way a guy who hasn't beaten Ohio State, who can't get to the New Year's Six Bowl game, who can't get to the playoff, is going to get an extension at Michigan University or University of Michigan. No way. And, uh, in fact, he got laughed at by other people, too. Well, Tyler, I owe you something hard to drink, my wonderful friend. He has been Jim Harbaugh, reached a contract extension to remain with Michigan's football team through the 2025 season. Uh, the quote here, and I laugh, from the uh, athletic director, Mr. Man- Manuel. 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 Actually, I'm going to go Manuel. Quote, I continue to believe that Jim is the right man to lead our program in pursuit of the Big Ten and college that. football playoff championships. Nope. Our program didn't achieve at a level that anyone expected this year, but I know those setbacks will drive the coaches, yeah, players, and staff moving forward. Jim is a tireless worker and competitor. Following the completion of the season, we talked for many hours on what it will take for Jim to lead and get us back on the right trajectory. End quote. His new contract is going to pay him a base salary of four million in 2021. That will increase to four point four two six million in 25, and he can earn a maximum bonus of three point three point four seven five million in each year of the contract, including one million bonuses for winning the Big Ten title. Not going to happen. Nope. And a college football playoff national championship. Nope. Definitely going to happen. And five hundred thousand dollar bonuses for winning the Big Ten East Division and reaching the college football playoff. Michigan nope. would owe Harbaugh. Four million if it would have fired him in twenty one, and a guarantee that goes down to one million each subsequent year of the contract. His buyout uh, to leave Michigan begins at two million in twenty one and drops That's to five hundred thousand dollars in each of the subsequent year in twenty five. You are a Big Ten guy. Yep. What's your thoughts here? Well, you and I cover this in our podcast. We had a Michigan. We had the guy from the flagship station for Michigan on and asked him about this, and he said the same thing because this is where I think fans really need to show intelligence is because you can clamor fire, 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 fire. But the opposite side of that you have to fill the, in the blank is, okay, who are you replacing him with? And as we talked to that fan, and, and, and I was on board with this too, even though I think it's laughable, they weren't going to replace him with anybody. Now, 
Two things. We just got a text message. 8798 just said Harbaugh's the most overrated college football yes! coach in the nation. Thank you, 8798. But God if you're bless in Michigan, you. who are you going to hire to replace me or fire him? And I completely agree because the truth is Michigan is at a level it hadn't been since Lloyd Carr. So they're better than they've been. And everyone says Ohio State, Ohio State. If you look historically, Michigan and Ohio State are not the same program. It's just not even close. So Meaning what? They're not national championship program. They're not the same. What happened? I don't get it. Like, how do you go from Lloyd Carr to Jim Harbaugh? I guess you had Brady Hulk in between, right? Rich Rod. And, and Rich Rod. That's right. I forgot about Rich Rod. Uh, but how do you go to just to be in this flatline program who can't beat Ohio State in the last seven years, right? Six, no, six years because they didn't play this year. Uh, you, can't, you haven't been in the Rose Bowl. You can't get to the college football playoff. What's go- Is it the coach? Is it the recruits? Where is the problem line? Uh, it's both. Uh, so Michigan doesn't recruit as well as Ohio State. Harbaugh's clearly not as good a coach as uh, uh, Ryan Day or uh, uh, what's-his-face that's going to go to the Jaguars. I can't think of his name. Urban Meyer. Um, but no, like Joe Klatt uses this stat all the time about this. because So Michigan, I think, historically has one 12-win season. Ohio State has half a dozen or five this decade. It's just they're not the same. They're not the same program. Lloyd Carr elevated the program to a level that they hadn't been. And even then, I don't. Did they win a national championship? I don't even think they did. No. And so Ohio State's just a better program. the The real thing is the decision to me. The Ohio State thing is one. You'd expect them to at least be competitive. It's the fact that he's like five hundred against uh, Michigan State. It's the fact that he's never won a, a ranked game as an underdog. It's the fact that he struggles against uh, Wisconsin, against Penn State, against ranked teams in general. He can't win bowl games. Those are the things I thought were going to get him fired because I just don't think Michigan's going to catch Ohio State at this at this point in time because Ryan Day has clearly stepped in for Urban Meyer and they just kept that thing running. Two seven seven six text and by the way, two seven seven six. We're going to get to your previous text here in just a bit. Hold tight with that uh, NFL conversation. We'll get back to you. Uh, but he does text in this. The big thing is most of us have a conscious memory of the 90s when Michigan was on top and Ohio State was poor. So our most recent memories from your our youth are of Michigan being great. I mean, I... Which mer- is, is your, uh, Charles Woodson, right? Yeah. Desmond Howard. Tom Brady. Uh, who was... Gosh, dang, who was the quarterback that he was competing with, though? There's Brian Greasy and Drew Henson. Uh, they were loaded... With talent every year, it was Orange Bowl. Uh, they went to the Citrus Bowl with Brady. Uh, I believe it was Charles. No, it was Desmond Howard. I think that led him to a national championship. Charles Woodson was the first defensive player in how long to win the Heisman. They were so great, but that was all with Lloyd Carr. Yeah, and also just read that. If you read that opening line of statement again, in the '90s, bad news, and I hate this too. That was 30 years ago. Yeah, one of the things I hate about college sports. Are programs that are like, oh, we're Nebraska is a prime example. I know Bill Walters over there, and he loves them. Think about Nebraska. Yeah, their fans are obnoxious. I'm sorry, you guys have been terrible since the, it turned to 2000. <laughs> You're just not a good program anymore. But let me point this out too for anyone that criticizes the Harbaugh hiring. Who's hired a good coach besides Utah State? I think that was a great hire. I really do. But look at look at Auburn. You and I talked about this. I don't think the Boise State guy, no offense, is a great hire. I think Boise State's kind of a machine. The Longhorns fired. Taught, uh, what they, uh, fired their coach, and they got Sarkeesian. They literally traded out for the yeah, same coach. Yeah, Todd Herman. I mean, Aub- Auburn paid $50 million or whatever. It was like 40-something to get rid of Malzahn and take a shot on the Boise State. Like, Luke Fickle's out there. Nobody's going to take a shot on Luke Fickle? Well, the guy just cost you a game against Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl, too. And you kind of watched him just 
Totally. How about Matt Campbell at Iowa State? Ah, that's a good one. I, one of your favorites, Hugh Freeze out of Liberty? No, absolutely not. I hate that guy. <laughs> but he seemed like the, uh, the that's the question now. Are any of those guys that we were talking about midseason? They are they going to get jobs? Because Auburn, Texas, now off the map, Michigan side extension, they're not hiring anybody. I think USC is going to be open because Clay Helton's not a good coach. Uh, ooh, Clay Helton, yeah. And the Urban Meyer conversation always was interesting. I wonder what Urban Meyer is waiting for. I know, probably the right situation. I mean, at that point, this guy could just write the check, right? He's just he's waiting for the right situation because what is the right situation? Like, I think it'd be kind of funny if he ended up going coach Michigan, then beat Ohio State, and got into the college football playoff. I think he could, but I don't think he will since Ryan Day's his handpicked successor. Yeah, Tech, he he's only going to go somewhere he won national championships. So for college football, it's it's a handful. Texas, I think USC, I think Ohio State. They probably won't have him back. Florida won't have him back. Any of the top SEC programs, I think he'd think about. Maybe, maybe, but that was about it. The Jaguars that they, he's been meeting with That's them today. Pushing it. Uh, two seven seven six uh, text in. It's the same reason people of a certain generation thinks Goonies is actually a good movie. <laughs> I love that movie. That's a classic. Chunk. Well, Chunk makes that movie. He should have won an Oscar. Nine eight three five text in. Could it be Harbaugh is the best coach in his price range? Ooh, I love it. Nine eight three five. $4 million per year base is cheap so, these days. That's a great, so great So when it comes to coaches, I think I think yearly salary is important, but the, the number you want to pay attention to is the buyout. That's always the number you want to pay attention to. And I think that is why he's back, because everyone was like, Harbaugh's going to go to the NFL. And then you and I, again, Ajay and I cover this extensively with a Michigan fan on our podcast uh, from the Bleachers, which gets posted on the fan Facebook page. Um, we talked about this, but... There was plenty of people. The NFL said, eh, "I don't think we want him because he grades on people. He's yeah. obnoxious." Yeah. And I think what happened was he didn't want to leave. He didn't really get the suitors he thought he was going to get in the NFL, so he wanted to come back. And Michigan said, "All right, fine." And to save face, Michigan said, "All right, we'll pay you the same amount that you were making before, but you got to earn it. We'll put half of it in incentives, and then his buyout's nothing." So Michigan, I think, wins this deal. I think again, Harbaugh's a solid coach. He's a decent recruiter. They're not going to beat Ohio State. They're better than they were. And they're not going to really cost themselves that much. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Wow. 9474 text in. I was thinking about Harbaugh's new contract and how everyone is beating him up. Michigan has been garbage for decades, man. Leave the guy alone. He's above. He's an above average coach. Don't forget he won at Stanford. He took the 49ers to the NFC title game three, three years. years or three years and the Super Bowl once and would have won it if the power doesn't go out and they lose their momentum. If in a different world, if he was available and USU had hired Harbaugh, you'd be ecstatic, man. Well, I, again, for the record, I mean, I think you're right. I, I personally don't like the guy. I think he's just <laughs> obnoxious. I think he's a decent coach. I feel like I've been defending him to make my point. But the point is, is that when he went to Michigan, the expectations were he was going to at least compete for Big Ten titles. They haven't been to the Big Ten title game yet. Wisconsin's been there. I, yeah. Northwestern's now been there. Michigan has not. I think that's what maybe upsets the Michigan fan base a lot is that not only they got just uh, crushed by Ohio State, yep, but they also haven't got to the Big Ten title game, which Ohio State nope. stands in the way of that. No, in uh, fact, in fact, I don't think they've been. They haven't been to a New Year's Six since he's been there. But Wisconsin's correct. gone. Ohio State's gone. That is correct. And uh, uh, Penn State's gone. So it's the expectations yep. that he hasn't lived up to. Now, 9474 is right. If USU had hired Harbaugh, I'd be thrilled. I, 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 I mean, having that kind of a brain 
in our football program would have been great. And again, the name recognition of who he knows and the connections he has that he could bring to Utah State would be incredible. Frankly, I mean, he may be better off in one of those situations. He may be better off in a less pressure situation. Let me ask you this, though. We're talking about Big Ten. Who's the better coach for their alma mater? Because, of course, he went to Michigan. That's why yep. he's back there. What about Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern? Oh, man. I love Patty. I, I love what he's doing over there they in They keep cranking out nine, ten win seasons. They and were in the Big Ten championship ten, yep. game this year. And, and we're in the game, too, until things got away, I think, in the second half. Uh, great coach over there. Yep. But again, there's expectations on Michigan that aren't put that's on true. Northwestern. No, that's fair. You are not wrong. As you mentioned, Michigan is expected to be in the Rose Bowl. They're expected to be in a Big Ten championship game. Yes. They're expected to be Ohio State. Like you're not going to beat them all six years. Make it half that. At least go three and six or three and three. One would hope. And and Northwestern doesn't have that expectation on them. Maybe that's why Pat Fitzgerald is doing a little bit better. But, I, I I mean, and the talent in Michigan's got to be good. Maybe were, it's not as good as it used to be, but it's still got to be decent. They recruit top top 12, top 15. I mean, they're not – they're good. They just – Ohio State's one, two, or three. That's why Ohio State's a national championship contender, and Michigan hopes to get lucky enough to squeeze into a New Year's Eve six, which still hasn't happened. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Coming back, let's go to the NFL. Deshaun Watson versus the Texans. That's right. Deshaun Watson versus his <laughs> own team. Uh, we're going to get to 2776 text yes. about Russell I'm Wilson. Glad you said that. Great thought to bring up. We'll hit on that as well. It's AJ Knight. I'm AJ Salveson here on 1069 The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, Jay Knight, I'm AJ Salas here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us. 447, your time is getting ready to clean up for the first hour. Get you ready for the second hour. A lot going on tonight. Aggies, Lobos, that's at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, Jazz Bucks, that's at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Sam Merrill is active. Who is not? Joe Ingles. He will end his Ironman streak oh, man, with nice. an Achilles, uh, in, uh, I guess Achilles pain is Ooh, what he's feeling. So rough. he is out for tonight. Yeah. Uh, that streak, I don't know what it stood at. I need to look at uh, what his streak was, actually. Um, in fact, i got to be honest with you. I didn't know he actually had that long. It was 418 consecutive games that Joe Dang. Ingles had played in. That's it was the lot. longest active streak in the NBA. Uh, and it is official uh, uh, per Andy Larson, Tony Jones, Eric Walden, any other jazz beat writer, that Joe Ingles is out tonight versus Milwaukee, ending a 408 consecutive game played streak. That's incredible. Absolutely amazing. Uh, By the way, to answer your question, you asked Eric about the Bucks earlier. I think part of it is they're bored. They've had the one number one seed each regular season. They don't. Have to, it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. They got to win in the postseason. Isn't that what? That's what makes LeBron so great. Then is that he doesn't get bored, even in well, the Eastern Conference. He would he would compete. That's what makes him so just incredibly amazing. No uh, argument. Let's tear into this part of the show with this segment. 2776 had texted in and said, Remember in September when AJ and AJ were apoplectic? I believe he said text again, or they texted again, apoplectic? Apoplectic. Apoplectic. 
that Russell Wilson didn't have a first place MVP vote. Just bringing it up because this is a perfect example of what happens every year. <laughs> okay, it wasn't that he didn't have a first place. He had never received any votes. A vote. Not a single vote. But yes, I wrote an article earlier this season, I don't know, four or five weeks into the NFL season, saying that it was over, given the MVP. Do you take that back now? Well, I mean, clearly he's not played well. I think it's, what, a two-horse race? Three, probably three. I think most people have it between Rodgers and Mahomes, and I think Allen, out of out of the season he has, deserves third place out of respect. Josh so, Allen. So you have Rodgers, Mahomes, and then Allen. I don't know, where would you put Henry? Is Henry third? I would put Henry before Josh Allen, with all due respect That's to fair. Josh Allen. Then, then Henry. That's fine. I mean, and it's crazy that a, a quarterback for a, what, he lost one game all season long. And that quarterback's not going to win the MVP vote. They really, I mean, you and I did our, our previews on the po- podcast going to go up tonight. They've really kind of, you want to talk about a team that's bored. I think it's them too. <laughs> Tell you you're right. No, I don't think so. Because part of my argument was that the Seattle roster, and I don't know what you think, AJ, but I think the Seattle roster still overall, like if you took, if you took Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and swapped them, do you think Rodgers does? With his team, with the Seahawks, what Wilson did. Yes. Maybe better. Maybe better. Interesting. Okay, let's swap. How about you swap Brady and Wilson? Does Brady do with the Seahawks what Wilson did? Is that offensive line has they? I don't. I, I no, don't. I don't think Brady does. I just I don't understand the front office's concept. Right? Like they they spend all the time on defense. They spend a first rounder and a linebacker, and they're like, hey. We got these two first-rounders jingling around our pocket. What do we need? You know what? Let's go get a safety from the Jets. I, 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 part of my argument is still, is he in the top five, Wilson? Probably not because Diggs had a crazy good year. Um, but part of my argument in the article was that I think Seattle's roster is not very good. And I still think Seattle's roster is not very good. John Russell, if you count the yards Henry gained in the second half alone, he would rank second in the rushing in the NFL. That's the MVP to me. That's pretty good. Uh, 2776. On behalf of AJ, myself, and Eric France, and in the Cash Valley Media Group, you were right. No, not don't don't put me in there. I, I no, already, you were, I, no, you were part of it. You were wrong. No. He was right. No, yes. I was wrong. He was the MVP. I'm not wrong in my argument. His roster's not very good. DK Metcalf? He's got a running game. And by the way, what Russell Will, what Tom Brady, Bill Belichick's relationship was, is Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson has a different coach, they're not as good. Two seven seven six was right. Mm, no, I don't agree. I'm calling it. I don't agree. I think the roster's bad. You could say the running game; they've been banged up. The offensive line's not very good. The secondary's not very good. Minus Jamal Adams. I mean, their only decent pass rusher is uh, Carl Lawson, who they traded for from the Bengals. DK Metcalf, uh, TK Metcalf is a huge upgrade for them. That's one player. 2776 again replies to you, AJ. Quit moving the goalpost. I said he's not going to win the EVP. I'm not going to say you're right because his roster's terrible. He has struggled. That's why I said he's not a top five finisher right now. We got to be quick on this. Texans chairman and CEO Cal McNair acknowledged that he hasn't heard from Deshaun Watson since he hired Nick Casario as a general manager. Now, we all know that uh, Deshaun Watson wanted to offer input on the potential general manager candidates. Not that that they would hire him, but just ask questions or at least maybe do some research on them or maybe an interview. 
but that the Texans never considered nor consulted with those endorsed by their franchise quarterback. He then tweeted out, some things never change, quote-unquote. Now, Watson has met with McNair over a Zoom during the season, but has not met with him since. Trouble in Houston again? It's a piss-poor ran franchise. Does Shasson stick around? He wants to be traded, a la James Harden. Uh, Does he get out, or do they say, you know what, no? I don't think the Texans budge. I mean, he wanted long-term security. They signed the contract. They're going to tell him, nah, you got to stay. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap it up here on the first hour. It's the Full Court Press, AJ Knight, Audrey Salveson. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. It's AJ Knight, AJ South here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM a fan. Hey, just a reminder about some of the games going on tonight. Again, Aggies Lobo, 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock pregame with uh, Al Lewis, Jalen Moore. Immediately following that, you have postgame with the great John Russell, Jalen Moore, and Al Lewis as well, where you get to call in and share your thoughts on what we hope to be an Aggie win. Jazz Bucks, 6 o'clock, that game will be not airing on this station. Uh, you'll be able to find that, I think, on... AT&T Sports Network or whatever the crap they're streaming it on these days. It's horrible anyways. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, we will not have that game on the station because Skyview Basketball plays tonight. Uh, and then uh, you got a game with Logan Grizzlies. That will be on 6, 10 a.m. KVNU. Yeah, number eight. Logan's number eight and 4A RPI. Grantsville's number one and 3A. Ooh. But Logan's been on quite a w- – I mean, they've got things to get. I know they got blasted by Preston. Still a good basketball eight and team. Two. Eight and two. Best teams in the region so far, you think? Skyview, I think, because of their size. And then uh, I think Ridgeland is better than their record just because they played a brutal non-region. So probably them, maybe Logan. Logan has some really good guards that can really defend. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've actually been really impressed with Logan. I said two years ago, give Logan Brown some time, and he'll get that that ship righted really quickly. They look good. It's taken two years, and boy, they look really, really good. Green Ken, it's also impressed yeah, me as well. Him. They are. All right, coming back in the second hour, a lot of NFL playoff talk, some Aggie talk as well. Call come next. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The NFL is putting the Wild into wild card this weekend. With playoff expansion, this is the first year there are 12 teams playing in the opening weekend. Teams across the league are dealing with COVID issues and injuries, significant ones. The Browns are without their head coach. The Rams and Washington football team have uncertainty at their quarterbacking position. Even if some key players are back, will they be 100%? Like Jamal Adams in Seattle or Michael Thomas in New Orleans or the Bucks' Mike Evans. It seems like every team is dealing with some sort of health issue. The other key difference this year is the lack of true crowds. Teams fight all year to get a higher seed, to get that home field advantage, but it means less than ever this year. Good luck for all of you out there who like to wager on these games. The only sure bet is I'm going to be on the couch watching all of it. And if you're a football fan, so are you. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Eggies, the jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. AJ Knight, I'm AJ Salas, and Eric is absent today. He's uh, spending time with friends and family elsewhere, taking a, uh, a needed break. So, Brothers, they're going to have the Aggies game on, shouting at the TV. You know, I watched an Aggie tournament game with him. 
He just sat there. Like it was a reserve tournament fan. game too, and he didn't move. He didn't budge. Just I'm kind of a reserve fan. Calm well. and collective. I was like, man, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> like I'm like, you what are you shout, doing? I'm, yell at you. <laughs> I'm like yelling at a Pacific Life commercial. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, that's what I would have expected. To yeah, be you would expect nothing more. I'm competitive. Expect to be very reserved, yeah. <laughs> UDL. If you want to text into the show and be a part of it, you're always welcome to. Always love to have you, even if you argue with our opinions or argue Bring with it. bad takes from AJ. Uh, 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. We're going to start off with some NFL talk. We're going to get to the Aggies. We'll conclude with the weekend that will be six games, in two days of NFL football, seven games in three days of playoff-type football. That's just delicious, if you ask me. Uh, we'll get into it all. Jazz Bucks, 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, that game will not air on our station because of the Skyview Bobcats. They'll be taking over at 645 with John Newbold. Uh, Aggies Lobos at 7 o'clock. Al Lewis, Jalen Moore pregame. Immediately after the game, John Russell. Jalen Moore, Al Lewis. AJ will be calling the uh, Logan Grizzlies game on 610 AM KVNU. Uh, big one tonight for Logan. Uh, really, it'd be a great win for the RPI standing for them as well. Yeah, I said Logan's number eight and four A, and Grantsville's number one and three A. Grantsville's all, I think they're six and zero, five and zero. All of their games have been decided by twelve points or less, so they don't really get away from anyone. The interesting stat that I had uh, that I was telling Al about, stuff so covering for him tonight, is that in Grant, I think in only one game, Grantsville's won. Th- three of the scoring quarters. They usually split two and two. So that would be why their games don't get that far away from them. So I think either way you're in for a close game. So got nothing going on. I think it's going to be a good one. Skyview Madison ought to be solid too for what it's worth. Yeah, again, John Newbold will have that call. Pre-game starts about 645 uh, with uh, Newbold. So join in either way. Plenty of basketball on to watch and listen to all the way through to get you through your Friday night and plenty of football starting tomorrow. AJ, let's get right to it. Let's do it. Uh, Colts and Bills will be the first game tomorrow. 105, I guess, sorry, uh, 11 a.m. Mountain time. I had to do my math there. That game, This game will be on CBS. Buffalo favored, favored by 6.5. Here's the key. And again, we'd love to hear from our listeners. 435-339-0321. Give us your NFL analyst because AJ and I aren't that great at this in regards of NFL talk. Well, I don't think I am. Uh, AJ might think differently of himself. The I Bills do. are in the playoffs for the third time in four years. This is after a 17-year drought. Yes. But they haven't won a playoff game in since 1995. No, they haven't. They're the hottest offense right now. They've scored two, yes. They've outscored their opponents 229-110 to 110 since Week 12. The Colts' defense is ranked in the top 10, both in points and yards allowed. What gives? I think ultimately it comes down to do you think Phillip Rivers and the Colts offense can score as many points as Josh Allen can? Because the running game has gotten going for uh, the Colts the last few weeks, especially Jonathan Taylor. I think he won the rookie rushing title. But push comes to shove in a game like this, unless the Colts just do a number on Josh Allen, and he seems to have really gotten away from some of those ridiculous mistakes he made early in his NFL career. I just don't think Phillip Rivers can keep up. I didn't think the River signing was a good signing. I don't know what your opinion of him is. To me, the Chargers regularly, again this season, I still think have one of the better rosters top to bottom in the NFL. Phillip Rivers just, uh, whatever it is, the Chargers can't win close games and then Phillip Rivers turns the ball over too much. Uh, I, I could see, listen, as a uh, the coaching staff, or at least part of the coaching staff for the Kansas Jayhawks that yes. you and I are a part of. Factual. 
how do we usually keep a hot offense off the field? What is the best medicine when you're facing a hit offense? Uh, you kneecap the quarterback. <laughs> we have tried that a couple of times, and uh, we have been suspended, rightfully so. Uh, we've been and we've been suspended from the uh, from the mill table with the team as well. Um, but it is is to keep their offense off the field. Right. I could see Rivers being limited in pass attempts. That, that they just say, let's just use our rookie running back. He's fresh. He's young. Jonathan Taylor. He closed out the regular season uh, for running for a total of 741 yards, uh, 253 in Week 17. He did he's, that over the cooking. final six games he's of the cooking. season. This guy is just moving train. Use him. I mean, utilize the play action after you have success with the running game and just eat that clock up. I agree. I mean, let's be honest. I think they've kind of gotten dismissed a little bit this year, but the Colts offensive line is still extremely talented, and that should be their game plan, and I hope that's their game plan. But I look, I'm a fan of the Bears. They've got Matt Nagy. Uh, was it Wright is the coach for the Colts, and those, those Andy Reid guys at times tend to forget that they have a running game. Should that be the game plan? Yes. If they do that, will they keep it close? I'd imagine for a while. I just don't think they could score as many points as Josh Allen and the Bills will. Okay, so your prediction, does Buffalo, again, favored by 6.5, get their first playoff win since 95? Yes. I do too. I just think this I mean, they are this close. Bills team is, is all around as good as they've been yes. in years. They were close last year, and they blew it against the Texans. Yeah, oh man, that was a tough loss, wasn't it, for yep. them? Boy, that one that ate them apart. All right, so... Rams, Seahawks. This game on at 2.40 uh, Mountain Time. This game will also be on Fox. Seattle's favored by 3.5 over a Rams team that plans on having Jared Goff there. Now, Sean McVay's been very quiet about it, but reports saying that Jared Goff looks like he'll be playing. Um, The Seahawks' defense has been really good as of late. Jamal Adams has been uh, leading that charge for a while. Where do you see this one? Man, if the if the if Seattle could have fans, and I mean all the fans, I would like not even think about it. Um, I don't know. This this game probably gets ugly. You said the lines at three; it's probably about right. I don't know that I would necessarily take Seattle. I think Seattle wins because it seems like the Rams' offense has kind of gotten stuck in the mud, just like Seattle's has down the stretch. But this game's gonna be ugly. By the way, the Rams have been held without a touchdown in the last two games, or without an offensive touchdown in the last Stuck two the, games. Their defense is legit, so it will keep them in it, but yeah, it's, it's two struggling offenses. Russell Wilson, your MVP, not mine, but yours, had six passing touchdowns of 30-plus uh, air yards this season. That, by the way, tied Patrick Mahomes. That scored to ESPN stats and info. He went 2-16, which is about 13% with zero TDs, and an interception on throws over the last uh, eight games that were, uh, sorry, through about 30 yards in the air in the last six games. Hasn't been great lately. He's 1-6 on those throws against the Rams, who allowed an NFL low completion percentage on deep balls this season at about 14.8%. Uh, listen, I think the Rams compete. Um, I don't I don't know if it's three and a half, though. I don't know if the Rams can cover. You don't think so? I, I it's tough, man. I think it's I think it I think it comes down to a field goal. I believe I heard today the last three times the Rams have played the Seahawks, they've sacked Russell Wilson a combined 16 times. Oh wow. So you got who winning? Probably Seattle and probably by about three. But okay. it's it's gonna be an ugly game. I don't know what the over under is, but if you're a uh, uh, over under is forty two and a half. 
I might take the under on that still. That's low, but I still might. I might be like 17-14 in this one. I think the Rams keep it close for about three, three and a half quarters, but I also think that Jared Goff will make a mistake that dooms him. Mm, that's fair. And the game gets away from, I think the Seahawks cover that three and a half. All right, uh, and the final game for Sunday night will be the miraculous <laughs> matchup of an NFC East team hosting a playoff game despite having a losing record. Yep. As the number four Washington football team will host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they fist-seeded NFC squad. This game will be at 6.15 Eastern on MBC. Look, pressuring Tom Brady's always been the key. We've talked about it on our podcast yep. uh, from the bleachers. Uh, but you're asking about Super Bowl, was it 42, when, when those hatred and pathetic Giants were able to get really lucky in pressuring Tom Brady. And then they got lucky again in 2012, and they were uh, they were committing very heinous acts in rushing rough. and roughing the passer of Tom Brady. There should have been so many unsportsmanlike conduct calls Maybe. as they hit Tom Brady time after time, well after the play was over, and they wouldn't do anything. The refs wouldn't. I mean, I thought you were going to address the Tyree and the Manningham catch. Do you want to stay on this show or not? It's up to you. Your I mean, choice. I'm going to be honest, then I think shut they're up. two of the luckiest catches. And then, yes, absolutely. And then, of course, in the Eagles, guess what they did? They beat up Tom Brady. They went right after him. They sent the house constantly. Even if they are allowed a big completion, they just keep hitting Tom Brady and yep. hitting Tom Brady. Now, they did get 34 points in that game. It was a high-scoring game. Yes. But Tom Brady had to pick himself up the ground a lot. That's going to be the Washington football team's key in this one. The question is, is can they get through this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line? I mean, I don't think anybody's really stopped Chase Young. I'm a, a Purdue guy, a big fan of Ryan Kerrigan. They have, what, five first-round picks in their defensive line rotation, and they've played like it. Here's a stat that I didn't think about that Hit I found me. out today when we made our picks because I, on paper you would still pick Tampa. You realize this is the third time that a losing record uh, team's going to host a playoff game. Do you know what happened the first two times that a losing record team hosted a playoff game? They, they won. won. Who was it? I believe it was Seahawks because that was uh, Beastquake because they beat the Saints. Yeah. And I want to say it was the Rams, I thought. And I don't remember who they beat, but I mm. think it was the Rams. Or maybe it was an 8-8 eight eight team. I don't know. But both times that a team has had a losing record and hosts a playoff game, they've won. Brady's 26-7 and in his playoff career when he sacked two times or fewer and 4-4 four and four in playoffs when he sacked three times or more. Uh, you got Chase Young on the other side of the ball. He's a menace. We know about that. He's probably your defensive rookie of the year. Jack Del Rio knows how to coach against Tom Brady. He's done it before. And by the way, he's been very successful as well. Uh, 9474 text in. And he says, I hope Alex Smith can get it done just to be able to add to this incredible success story. Comeback player of the year. Alex Smith is definitely that guy. If he beats Tom Brady... He will have beaten an undefeated Steelers team and Tom Brady in the same year. Well, that's I think that's incredible. I, don't, I think the what did what did, what's the line for this one? Uh, the line for this one, Tampa Bay by eight and a half. Forty four is the uh, forty four and a half is the over under. In I, Nevada I, guessing game, you would do what? I legitimately may pick Washington to cover. Honestly, really? if you're feeling yeah, and if you're feeling a little bit uh if you're feeling a little bit lucky, I may pick Washington to to upset them if you feel comfortable doing so. I just like Alex Smith, I'm glad Texas hit Alex Smith. I think that's a big factor in it too because one of the things I think the the Tampa Bay team's been so up and down. I think they've only won once this year against a team 
that has been that made it into the playoffs. They're like one and six or something like that because they lost to the Saints twice. They lost. I think they beat the Packers, but they they just can't beat any of the good teams. And uh, I think that if if you like make mistakes, I think their defense gets rolling, the pass rush gets going, and they start getting excited. Alex Smith, I don't think is going to do that. I don't think he's going to make the mistake. So I think if the game stays close ish. And I, I guess if I, I think if I was to bet on this one, I would take Washington to cover. I think I still pick Tampa because I just don't think Washington has enough offense. But I think I'm a, I think this is my favorite game to watch tomorrow. The Washington football team hasn't surrendered three touchdowns in a game since Was or uh, Detroit incident in Week Ten. And they're bad. Detroit's bad. Now I think that the Tampa Bay gets their offense in gear and gets going early, and I think they win by two touchdowns. But I don't think it's through the air. I think they do it on the ground. Ronald Jones, who was just shy of a thousand yards, he's been dealing with COVID issues and a uh, a hurt finger. Uh, this Washington football team is giving up about 115 and a half yards per game rushing. I think they shove it down their throat. They chew up clock and they get this game over easily. And I think they win by I'd say 13. So I'm going to say the same thing for Tampa, the same uh, as the Colts. They have shown that they can run the ball. They have also shown that at times they absolutely will not do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Arians, coach themselves. Arians really loves the deep ball. So if if based on the stats, should the game plan be Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones, maybe a little bit Fournette and play action? Yes. Problem is, Ben, I feel like Arians wants to air it out, and I feel like there's a little bit of a – well, we paid Tom Brady $24 million or whatever they're paying this year. we got to let him throw the ball. Should they run? Yes. Will they? Eh. By the way, here's a little bit of a Nevada guessing game nugget for you. Unders for 6-2 and two in Washington home games this season. Tampa Bay's covered 5 of 7 games this season when the under comes through. Whew. <coughs> Interesting. So guess wisely is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> guess wisely. Uh, let's go to Sunday's games. Uh, this one, uh, probably the game of the playoff, this wild card round. I, I think so. I, I'm guessing here. I think so. Number five Ravens, number four Titans. Game scheduled for 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and will be on ESPN and the ABC channel. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. He has been an absolute thorn in the Ravens' side. He rushed for 195 yards in last year's divisional round playoff game. Uh, he had that 29-yard touchdown run in overtime. To steal the victory against the uh, Ravens this year. Yep. Uh, you know the Ravens will be focused on Henry and keeping him in check. Now the question comes, can Ryan Tannehill handle the pressure of having to throw 20, 25 times in this game? I think he looks a lot more comfortable uh, this year than he did last year. Because, I mean, that, that run they went last year, it's literally how you started the conversation. It was Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. Maybe once in a while, Ryan Tannehill, but mostly Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. And they've needed it, too, because the Titans' defense was pretty good last year. The Titans' defense is not very good this year. So uh, I, I'm with you. I think this is probably the game. Pay. So I like Washington and Tampa for Saturday night, but the Ravens-Titans is the game I got for the whole weekend because I think it's a shootout. Spread is Baltimore by three, 54 and a half I'm is the over-under. I'm shocked by that line. Really? Yeah. I, I think, well, because it's at Tennessee. I know there's no fans, but generally the rule of thumb is the home team gets three points. So what they're telling you is that on a neutral field, Baltimore is six points better than Tennessee. Phew. Uh, according to Live Sports Bureau, the Ravens' 1,337 rushing yards over their past five games is the most by any team in a five-game span since the Super Bowl era began in 1966. 
They had 3,071 yards rushing this season, the fourth most in a season in NFL history, one year after setting an NFL record of 3,296 yards. But none of the top five teams in a single season rushing yards won a playoff game that season. Wow. Interesting. Doesn't this out of so the Seahawks and Rams are divisional opponents, so there's there's rivalry there. Yeah. Doesn't this out of and then the, you got the Brown Steelers, they're divisional opponents too. But doesn't it feel like out of all those, the teams that probably hate each other the most out of the opening weekend here is Baltimore and Tennessee. Oh yeah, don't you remember back in the day when Steve McNair, Eddie George versus Ray Lewis, uh, Nagata I think was on that team. I don't know if Ed Reed was there. I, actually, I think Ed Reed might have been there as well. Like, those two teams, look, Ravens and Steelers are your AFC North rivalry, but when it comes to a playoff rivalry, it's the Ravens and Titans. I have the feeling these two hate each other the most. So did you have Ravens winning? I did have the Ravens winning. I have the Titans winning this game, and I think Baltimore covers still. So you're looking at like a two or one point game. No, Baltimore's minus their favorite. They can't, they can't lose and cover. Well, they can come, like, well, if, oh, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. What I meant is that Titans win, but by less than three. Oh, yeah. I mean, then they cover, because if, if they lose by less than three, then you still win your bet. Yeah, if you that's, pick the cover. that's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah, I know what I'm talking I'm a betting guy. I mean, I love playing the guessing game every now and I, then. I got Baltimore. It's uh, going to be close. That game may go to overtime again, in all honesty. <laughs> Inside of the Superdome, it's going to be the number two Saints <sighs> versus this one. AJ. Let's talk about your Bears. 4-4. This game will be at 2-40, excuse me, Mountain Time on CBS. New Orleans favored by 9.5, 47.5 as you're over-under. Now, the Saints could potentially get Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara back. That's right. They rested last week. Uh, and so now you get him back after a week off. Yeah, Kamara's out for COVID. Thomas was on the IR. Trying to peak at the right time. There's been three consecutive years of just brutal playoff exits for the New Orleans Saints. Yep. And this could be Drew, B's, Drew Brees' last dance, as yep. you like to call it. Boy, well, let's start with the New Orleans side. If you get Kamara and Thomas back, how much does it help the Saints and how much does it scare the Bears? I mean, Kamara absolutely does because – He's he's Alvin Kamara. Let's be honest. Did anybody watch that game against Minnesota? He had six touchdowns. Frankly, should have had a seventh one, but but uh, we all know how much Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. Uh, Thomas is a I don't know. Thomas is a wild card to me. He's he's done pretty much nothing all season. That's why they put him on the IR because they figured they probably weren't going to catch the Packers for the one C. They're pretty sort of locked into where they were going to be. So they figured, all right, look, let's just set him for three games. See if we can get him right the postseason if he's on it's a big deal if not I mean it's they've been doing it all season without him so more so I think I don't think they need him in this game as much as they'll need him in the rounds after yeah uh I I feel like Kamara's a bigger get to have back I mean just because it it establishes a running game and not that he wasn't bad in the first one or I guess uh not that their backup running back was bad in, in in last week's game but it's Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's he's just been an absolute beast this year. Well, he's, he's such a big part of their passing game, too. Yeah. And, and by the way, uh, Kamara and Thomas, here's the thing. is I think they have a big day. I Combined touchdowns, I'll put at... I'll put at three and a half combined touchdowns. Over or under? For Kamara and Thomas? Combined. Under. I don't think Thomas does anything. So. You don't think so? I, Kamara could score three, and that wouldn't surprise me. I don't think Thomas does anything. Hey, now, there's a lot of attention on this Bears offense, but not for not great reason. As as a Bears fan that you are, um, Trubisky and this this offense has been a roller coaster, to say the least. The yep. Chicago defense has been worn down in recent weeks because of the porous offense. 
the pass rush has been almost non-existent, uh, even with Khalil Mack on one side of the uh, line. I mean, and, and by the way, just to add insult to injury, um, the left elbow injury last week that was uh, put upon Roquan, Roquan Smith, he's out this week, I believe. Biggest so, pro ball snuff, by the way. I would say that. So let's start with the uh, offense first. What do you got to do to keep the Saints defense honest? I mean, this is what's so obnoxious about this team. So me, along with many Bears fans, I think got suckered in right before the Packers game because they set a record for scoring 30 points and I think three straight games for the first time in like 50 years or something like that. And then against the Packers, if you look statistically, the Bears dominated, they really turned the ball over, and they still got crushed by Green Bay. So to keep the Saints honest, they got to run the ball. The reason they got those points going is because Montgomery was such a huge part of it, and Trubisky is successful off play action and a little bit of read option. And obviously you want to try and dominate the clock. But honestly, I mean, they had a solid offensive game plan against the Packers. They just didn't finish drives. That's the big thing I would say, too. Obviously you got to score touchdowns. The defense couldn't stop Green Bay. Because the big thing is, like, so the Mac trade in hindsight maybe not great, but the problem has been – Nobody next to him is produced. They drafted Floyd with a top 10 pick. He couldn't do it. They signed Quinn to big money this offseason. He's got two sacks. I think Hicks came back last week against the Packers, so he's kind of a big get because he's their run defense is different with, with him in when then with him out, but losing Smith is a huge deal. Saints by nine and a half. What's your guess? Oh, I I would I'm I wouldn't bet it because I don't that's it's a big line, especially for playoffs, but I would if you had if I had two Saints cover. I I didn't want the Bears in the playoffs. I don't think they should be here. The Cardinals let me down. The Bears did what they were supposed to, and the Cardinals <laughs> choked it away. I do have the Saints as well. I think this was a runaway. I think Kamara uh, and Brees just eat this defense alive and uh, and run away with this one with really not, not having to break a sweat. Number six, Browns at number three, Steelers. Boy, the Browns have been hit hard now recently. Uh, they lose their coach due to COVID protocol. They lose a few players. They're shorthanded uh, in about every way possible because of COVID-19 issues, and now they got to go to Pittsburgh and play a Steelers team that is now rested, well-rested as well. Uh, this one's in uh, at Heinz Field. Pittsburgh picked by 5.5. Your 47.5 is the over-under. Uh, I don't know, okay. man. I don't know what else to tell you. It's that like, a, a healthy Steelers team can do a lot of damage, and uh, I, I think that's going to be the case here. I mean, whoever scheduled these did not do a good job because these last two games I think are the, the snoozers. Because I, I think Steelers win big. Um, I think even if you didn't have the COVID cases for the Browns, I still think the Steelers win big. Um, I mean, last last week they sat TJ Watt, they sat Pouncey, they sat Roethlisberger, and they sat one other player. I don't Connor, I think played. I can't remember. They sat somebody else, and they still almost beat the Browns in Cleveland in a game Cleveland needed. And so I I just think this one's a snoozer. I mean, if the Browns can maybe run the ball, then. They can maybe keep it interesting, but I'd take the Steelers to cover, and yeah, I think this one's a snoozer. Six fifteen on NBC. That'll be the final NatCap game of this wild card round. Uh, I have the Steelers winning this one by double digits. I think. Look, and I think it's more based on experience. And when you have a quarterback who's been there, done that, like Ben Roethlisberger, look, he's only twelve quarterbacks in NFL history have won multiple Super Bowls, and Ben's probably the worst of the twelve. He's worse than uh, Bradshaw. Yeah, I do. Really? Yeah, I do. I disagree with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely do. Uh, but again, and 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 with the other fact that, uh, I mean, he's got 
but he's got Juju. He's got a great receiving corpse. He's got a good running game. He's got help around him, so the pressure isn't all on Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I think they uh, they just wear down this Browns team as the game goes on. Uh, I, they do cover the five and a half easily, but I don't think it's like anything more than fourteen points. I think I think yeah, I think they cover five and a half. Um, I hope they get they need to get the running game going. It seems like in the last few weeks the it's shown signs of life because their offense had gotten really horizontal as opposed to vertical. Um, and and maybe maybe Ben Roethlisberger saw something from Rudolph because Rudolph against the Browns corners was like I'm just gonna throw jump balls and the Steelers receivers won the jump balls. But yeah, I think uh, the Browns can the Browns. I don't think cover. I think the Steelers will win by more than a touchdown. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. That's the NFL playoffs. By the way, every single game will be on this station on 106.9 The Fan. We will have every game for you on this station Saturday and Sunday. So when you're in your car, if you're at home and you need to listen to the game, do it right here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and A.J. Selvison. Still hesitant to get too excited because the teams that they have beaten are bad teams. But it's one thing to play against it and win. It's another thing to continually just thrash it. Eric, it's five straight conference games of 18-plus point wins or more. It's not that they're just beating bad teams. It's how they're beating these bad teams. You're right. They are destroying them. It's total domination. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 106.9 FM, 13. 90 a.m. The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. AJ Knight, AJ South here on the Full Court Press. 529 your time. And don't forget, Aggies Bucks, 6 o'clock tonight. Sam Merrill is a go for the Milwaukee Bucks. Pat Connington's still out, so you can see Sam Merrill get some minutes versus the Utah Jazz. Joe Ingles, a game, a streak of games played at 418 ends tonight. He's dealing with some Achilles pain, and so he's going to sit out tonight's game. Uh, again, a streak of 418 games. AJ, that is so impressive when it what? comes to NBA basketball. It really is, especially when you think of just the the way the NBA's gone in terms of the uh, the uh, what is it, load management, and then you're going to get nicked up. There's no way you're going to play that long of a season. You're not going to bump something here, bruise something there, and for him to tough it out, that's that's crazy. It's a crazy streak. It's it sucks to see it end. Yeah, it's it, it really is a tough way to end it. Um, but uh, again, it's. You could just tell he's not been himself, especially what? on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, Eric, I think, made a good point. I think Boyan, same thing with the wrist. And uh, it's obviously affecting, I think, the team as a whole because, I, you know, um, Donovan's still getting his points, but I feel like in a few games I've watched, and we're only eight games of the season, it seems like it takes him a lot of shots to get there. And then, it's. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I might regret bringing this up, but, man, Conley, man. <laughs> just... Yeah. Hit or miss. I mean, I think he's be- He's definitely off to a better start than he was last season, but still, you know, not just haven't gotten what they expected out of that guy. Yeah, and it's, again, it's, I think, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people to blame here, if, we, if we're going to be honest with each other. I don't think anyone's been that great as of late. Um, but I also think, uh, I also think it's, it's an easy turnout if you just make shots. I mean, that's all you're asking well, for. I mean, the bottom line is, what do they say? It's a make-or-miss league. Yeah. 
so again, Jazz tonight versus the Bucks at six o'clock, and again, uh, you have some high school basketball. So the game will not air on this station because Skyview will be playing tonight versus who? Madison, Madison Idaho. tonight at home. Yes, uh, and then Logan Grizzlies are on six ten a.m. KVNU. They play Grantsville, and then I think you'll be on that call. Yep, and then uh, Green Canyon plays Madison tomorrow, and then I think Ridgeline plays tomorrow afternoon. I think Bear River plays tomorrow evening, and then Mountain Crest is off till Monday. So, and you're calling tonight's game, color for tomorrow, play by play for Monday, Tuesday. Yep. Is there anything that you don't do? Um, I'm really not that good of a. Coffee maker? I don't know. I just like sports. I've never seen you drink coffee before, actually. I did when I first got hired here. Those mornings could be brutal. I got away from it, though. Really? Yeah. About a, I did it for about a year. And then I quit because I didn't like it. <laughs> it's not good for you. <laughs> I, uh, Aggies Lobos tonight. That game's at 7 o'clock. Pre-game at 6 o'clock on KVNU. And then immediately following post-game, John Russell, um, Jalen Moore, and Al Lewis. Uh, this Aggies team is, uh, has been on a roll, AJ. I mean, this is—I mean—they're looking for the eighth win in a row. If they win tonight, it'll be their best conference start since 2002-2003, when they went undefeated in conference play and then lost to Cal State Northridge and then lost that shot at the uh, NCAA tournament champ or a NCAA tournament appearance, which was a heartbreaker. First team ever ranked in the AP poll to not make. The NCAA tournament. It was just disgusting. That's pathetic. It was bad. It and it set a lot of, um, it set off a lot of analysis nationally too. I remember Dick Vitale losing his mind over it. And Jay Bills is like, "Well, you got to win your games." I'm like, "Jay, a no one likes you. B, you're ugly. And C, <laughs> your daddy got you into Duke. So how's life for you?" <laughs> God. I mean, if it's a ranked team, I don't know what his argument is. Clearly, you want enough games to be ranked. So yeah, and you argue- undefeated in conference play, but it still wasn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, so here we go. Uh, 435-339-0321. Love to hear your keys and your predictions to tonight. We'd love to hear a score prediction from you guys as well. 435-339-0321. Aggies levels tonight, 7 o'clock. Game 2 of this series before the Aggies come home and get ready for a absolutely B-I-G, big, big, big matchup versus the Aztecs next Thursday, next Saturday. Uh, next Thursday's on CBS Sports Network. Next Saturday is on the mothership of CBS Channel 2. That is 11 a.m. I know Clark Kellogg's going to be the analyst. He's coming here to Logan. I do not know who the play-by-play guy is. So You know, I'd just like to reiterate, I know you hit on this of the season because there was obviously kind of the preseason feelings for the Mountain West. Besides, obviously, playing at, getting the two games at Boise is, is rough. But, man, what, what break did Utah State catch? They get San Diego State at home. Colorado State at home, Nevada at home, Wyoming at home. Is that really that good, though? Because look at Boise State's schedule. Boise State got hooked up. <laughs> well, I'll just beat them in those two games. At Boise. I mean, I mean, here's the thing: is like they Boise State's schedule is favorable for Boise State. Well, I mean, it, they it, cater to their needs. Conference did. Okay, well, then you can be mad about that. I'm just saying Utah State, besides Boise State, got all their tough opponents at home. Boise State's the toughest opponent. You're not going to get them all at home. Okay, here's the thing. Switch me Nevada and give me Boise State at home. 
Okay, I wish I could make that trade too. LJ, you can't have everything. You're mad at me, and I didn't have any control over the schedule. Because you're bringing it up like it's a good thing for the it Aggies is a good that they got thing. screwed over. They got San Diego you're State. You're happy. Oh, my gosh. You're happy that they got screwed over. Good for you. I'm sure ESPN 960 would love to have you on their station that down is, there south. That is absolutely what I just said. 2776, can you get AJ a job down south? The one that you said I got, but I didn't get. Get him a job down south. Uh, AJ, uh, Aggies Lobos tonight. Look, Namish Keta is two blocks away from tying the record for career blocks uh, in school history. Right. He's at 153. I would imagine he gets to 155 tonight. Uh, maybe even 156 if he's lucky. Um He's one of the most dominant big men. How special has this kid been for the Aggies in the last three years? A kid who came from Portugal, now here at Utah State, all under Craig Smith. It's just been impressive. It's amazing what he's done. By the way, he, he right now he holds the record for average blocks per game at 2.3. Second place is Sean Daniels at 1.8. Jesus. Point 0.5 better. Game. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, I to answer your question, obviously huge. You got mad at me uh, one day because we were talking about the turnaround that Craig Smith has had because I didn't give enough credit to Kata when I was trying to say that Craig Smith. I thought just his his influence and personality made such a huge difference. Discovering obviously Porter and Justin Bean and actually playing them. So yes, huge obviously for his defense uh, early on when you had the, the Sam Merrills and. Uh, uh, was Quinn Taylor's and all that. You had the veterans, his defense down low, and then now obviously he's taken a step forward each season, becoming a bigger part of the offense. And I think that's a big part of it this season because, as, as you know, obviously you paid way more attention. I mean, you had Bean and him, so you knew what you had in the post, but it was going to be a little bit of experiment besides probably Miller trying to figure out what you had on the outside. And so it's big. Uh, again, Ked is two blocks away from tying the career record in school history in blocks at 155 three-way from holding first place solo by himself. Just incredible. And by the way, Gilbert Pete played 117 games. Kenneth is about to play game number 69 tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just That's instant nuts, impact man. on defense immediately. That's just nuts. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Lobos, on the other hand, let me ask you something. Uh, I was listening to Paul Weir's press conference, and he talked about how his kids are just exhausted mentally and emotionally. They haven't played a game at home. They've been on the road the entire time. They've been living out of a hotel. Mm, yeah. They're not allowed to have like full-on practices. That has to be little groups, if you will, I guess. Um, that uh, they've, uh, I mean, just they don't get to sleep in their own beds. Nope. And uh, that this this team is mentally and emotionally worn out. Is it healthy for these kids to be playing basketball right now, or do you think it's doing some damage for them? Honestly, in that case, I don't know how you say it's it's bad. It's anything but bad. Because, I mean, <laughs> I was talking about this on my show this morning. Like, 2020 was awful. 2021 hadn't started off much better. So we're still feeling the same. And I think that just generally has, like, this weight on top of everything. And like you said, you just you, you can't live a normal life. You can't even live, like, an adjusted, like, put on a mask and you can do some stuff. You're not at home. I mean, I feel for him. Maybe I mean I don't know what the coach could do, but that's it's rough. It's rough. I feel for him. Lobos had won their first three games, but not versus very quality like opponents, and then went into conference play, got handled by Boise State, and then uh, lost to Nevada in both their games uh, as well. Uh, this has been a tough road from them, and then and I mean we talk about having 
a favorable schedule maybe for Utah State. You played Boise State at Boise State, uh, Nevada at Nevada, and now you got Utah State, but you're in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. It's well, the other thing too to is, and obviously you weren't going to have fans, but I still think the the just being there. But I mean, you and I did that on the podcast too. We we had the pit as one of the one of the college basketball oh, yeah, I places. About that. And again, you're not going to have it filled this year. But I think even just being there would give you a little bit of a a home court advantage. And so it it's got to be rough. You're somewhere new. You can't even really explore it. I, I feel for them. There, it's not good. Uh, prediction for tonight. What do you got? Uh, based on the, I think it's twelve and a half spread. Your grazes analysis. I, I would take them to cover, but uh, probably maybe a few points more, fifteen ish, somewhere in there, fifteen to eighteen. Yeah, I was gonna I, say I, just, I think eighteen's my range. I, I feel like Paul Weir will make adjustments. I don't know if the Yankees are as dominant in this game, but they still win by comfortably double digits. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I, th- I still think they t- take care of business. Completely agree with you. Again, this game is inside of University Commerce in Lubbock, Texas, at Lubbock, Texas Christian University. Where the Aggies will get ready for a, uh, for a, I don't know if it's a big game. You win this game, you got some momentum going into San Diego State. And uh, Tyler Knowles texted into me, "There's a Whataburger in Lubbock, Texas. I'd be okay being stuck there." Oh, geez. hey, wait, what's a what? Have you ever been to Whataburger? Yes, I have. I've never heard of it. It's not bad. I prefer Shake Shack. Do we have a Shake Shack here in the Valley? Mm, okay, I don't give think me so. one. In fact, I'm asking Tyler this question too. Oh, here we go. Give me one burger restaurant because I'm a I'm a burger guy. I love burgers. Give me one burger restaurant that we don't have in the valley that you would bring here to Logan. Because I'm a tough. burger guy. Did I say booger? <laughs> I'm a burger guy. A hamburger guy. I I would say Shake Shack. I don't know if you've been to Culver's and they're not oh, paying I me though they Culver's. should. But Culver's is. Uh, what a burger is the best hands down. Tyler says wrong. People who are loyal to Whataburger will not hear anything else. Is that the Wahlburger restaurant? No, that's Wahlburger. Oh, that's Wahlburger. It's oh, not that great. Is. Oh, it is. It's isn't? not great. Whataburger's entirely different. I think it's mostly in Texas, in all honesty. I think it's a little bit in some of the states bordering it, if I remember correctly, because that's how I had it. I was I spent time in El Paso and southern New Mexico. Whataburger would be interesting. I Culver's is really good. Mm, so good. Um I love I love hamburgers. So I mean, what, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, what's the one that we're getting an In and Out? In and Out is that pretty good? It's okay. It's not great though. I still take Culver's. Really? Yeah. Man, everyone's making a big deal out of this In and Out place. So I yeah. had to ask. All right, all right. Let's go to break. Coming back, we'll get to our Friday Five Best, the five best non Super Bowl playoff games. Five best <laughs> non Super Bowl. You're not gonna like my. <laughs> Playoff games. If you oh, and then there's also one other rule: no Patriot losses are allowed to be in this. Eh, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not accepting that. <laughs> no playoff losses are allowed to be a part I'm of this. Not accepting that. But first, it's Nate Craigman in this week in the Mountain West. The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from four to six on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. <laughs> Stage and night, LJ Salves here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us, however, and wherever you're doing so. 1069 FM, 1390 AM, streaming on 1069thefan.com and on our mobile app, uh, the 1069 The Fan mobile app. 
Uh, time for Friday Five Best and in uh, celebration of six games in two days, thanks to the uh, NFL playoffs. We're By the way, f- I hate that they're calling it the Super Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, that's stupid. They added one more team. Just yeah. It's Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. It's like calling the first two, the, since they added the 11 seeds for the play-in games, calling that round one. No, they're the play-in games. Round one has 64 teams in it. You are, stupid. You are angry. It's stupid. My gosh, calm down. All right, it's time for a Friday Five Best of Five Best Playoff Games, non-Super Bowl, and non-Patriot losses. So nah, I'm not following that last rule. Uh, those are the rules, and if I'm not following the last them, rule, like it. I already told you I'm not following the last rule. You're going to have pancakes, and you're going to like it. <laughs> All right, number five, January 19th, 2002. I, you son of a Patriot 16, Raiders 13 overtime. Tuck it, rule. It was the incomplete pass uh-huh. that no one knew was an incomplete pass. Except for everybody who's smart at football. <laughs> I put it at number five because if not for that, where would this Patriots dynasty be? Um, and it was a very significant I don't, botched ruling. I don't know. Okay, I don't know so what here's the it. thing. Here, here we go. I should have said that. Here is uh, here's the thing about that is you... I'm listening. Actually, I don't even have a good reason. It was a fumble. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. It was a fumble. Like, I have nothing for you. A Tom Brady got hit. His arm wasn't going forward until after the ball was out of his hand. The worst part about it was that it was his former teammate, former Heisman Trophy winner, Charles Woodson. I felt bad for Charles Woodson that day, but I was so grateful as a Patriots fan. How full circle has that come to, right? Because everyone's like, oh, the oh, NFL did man. him a favor. And now it's like, oh, the NFL hates the Patriots. Unless you're not, and then everyone's like, oh, the NFL doesn't hate the Patriots. And I'm like, well, which is it? Do they think they cheat or do they help them? Which one is it? All right. For me, it's the NFC Championship game on January 24, 2010. Saints 31, Vikings 28 in OT. But everyone remembers this game as the Brett Favre does dumb things in important games. Remember when he threw the pick in the uh, NFC Championship versus the Giants? I believe was it the NFC Championship. I believe it was. Was it three or straight seasons? Three straight seasons. I think he ended the season on a pick. Uh, this game was really, really good. It was tied at seven, seven, fourteen, fourteen, twenty-one, twenty-one, and twenty-eight, twenty-eight. And then Brett Favre rolling to his right threw across his body, which was a cardinal sin. Yep. And it was picked off. Uh, Vikings went on to, or excuse me, Saints went on to win that game, thirty-one, twenty-eight. Even though there was the bounty gate yep. uh, issue and controversy. That was my fourth game. Favre's last game as well. Oh, that was Favre's last Was that his last game total or last game? Was that his final game? Last game. Career? He never recovered from the beating he took against the Saints. <laughs> now, that was my fourth fourth uh, best playoff, best non-Super Bowl playoff game. Uh, number four for me is a 2007-8 2008 wild card game, I guess, or not wild card, divisional round, Patriots versus the Jaguars. This because Tom Brady set a, a new NFL playoff record in efficiency. He was so good. Hmm. Threw for four touchdowns. Uh, I think he had three incompletions in that game. I mean, it was sexy. Tom Brady's a sexy man, and he played sexy football. I like to use the word when, you know, you have Mike Breen's bang call. You have Marv Albert, yes! Mine is yummy, and Tom Brady was yummy in that game. Phenomenal. Greatest playoff performance by a quarterback ever. My, 
My third one is uh, January 8, 2012, Broncos 29, Steelers 23 in OT. It's the Tom, uh, Tom, the Tim Tebow overtime touchdown pass to Demarius Thomas. That year, I don't know if anybody remembers, they put Tim Tebow in That's because right. everyone was like, Elway, come on. And then they won like <laughs> six straight, right. got into the playoffs because they won their division, hosted the Steelers who talked a bunch of crap, and then... Tebow threw that slant to Thomas. Uh, I think it was first play overtime. Thomas goes 80 yards down the field. Touchdown, game over. They go the next week. I think fumbled twice on their first two possessions against the Patriots and get murdered. Uh, number three for me is the Patriots-Raiders game. Remember, this was supposed to be the final game at Foxborough Stadium. And uh, I just know the regular season game was. Sorry, to end the season. Mm. Well, then the, they got help, and so they got to play one more game at Foxborough. And of course, this, I mean, and this game, of course, was it was snow. You couldn't see the numbers. You couldn't see the lines. It was messy. Uh, Tom Brady uh, saved his best for the last of that game and then was injured in the AFC Championship game. True Bledsoe comes back in, resurrects a, a very struggling Patriots offense. And of course, we go to the Super Bowl. We win a championship. Tom Brady's first of a dynasty started by this game, and it was so good. To see John Gruden get screwed over the way he did, <laughs> I think it was more Al. I think it was more uh, uh, Al Davis. I was going to say Al Lewis, but that's yeah. not it. Al Davis. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> All right, so for my number two best game, if I say Cardinals Packers, do you know which game I'm talking about? 2009. Uh, yeah, January 10, 2010, 2009, 10 season. Cardinals 51, Packers 45. OT. Rogers Hail Mary, and then Larry Fitzgerald in overtime takes that. Weird little cross the body, no nothing play, and runs all the way down the field behind the blockers. And I think, if I remember correctly, they pitched it to him or they threw him a little screen flare, and he scores the touchdown. But that was one where Janice, I believe, was his wide receiver, caught that hail mary at the end of the game to send it into overtime. But when you have ninety six combined points, hard to pick against that one. <laughs> I know what you're going to do for number one, too, you son of a biscuit. Uh, where are we at number two or number number three? two? Patriots at San Diego in Qualcomm Stadium, 2006. Patriots had struggled in the regular season, got to the wild card, manhandled Eric Mangini in that traitor, <laughs> and the Jets, 37-16, went to San Diego and took on Ladalian Thompson, who was the MVP that yeah. season, that and Phillip Rivers, the where the Chargers led that game by, I think, 14. Uh, and the Patriots had to keep coming back, coming back, Coming back, uh, they got uh, the late pass to Jabbar Gaffney, um, scored on a uh, touchdown, got the two-point conversion, got a stop, and then went back and kicked a field goal for the win, thanks to Steven Goskowski in his rookie year, uh, just to see Dalen Tomlinson. What year was in that? In a crappy mood, 2006. I'm not going to talk about the following game because we don't need to talk about it. So but can I just game. tell you? Can I tell you that what those seasons? Because I think correct me if I'm wrong. I think Philip Rivers and the Chargers went 15 and one or 14 to one season. Those those seasons to me are why Philip Rivers is not a Hall of Famer. Ooh, he's a Hall of Very Gooder. He's got a lot of great stats because he played for a long. But he is he is not very good. He has just as much been the reason his team done one play. And he had good teams. I mean, Philip Rivers had good teams. Saucy. He is not a Hall of Famer. Uh, my number one game is January 21st, 2007, a.k.a. the following week where the Colts beat the Patriots 48-34. <laughs> you can turn my mic back on. 
38-34, Colts beat the Patriots, mostly because I'm from Indiana. I'm not a Colts fan, but I was surrounded oh, by Oh, so why are you doing it then? Because it was historically significant. Why did you pick the Bears it's going to the winning the NFC Championship and going to the Super Bowl? It's a, it, huh? it's a big game for me, but they crushed the Saints. It was a boring game overall. They won the game to go to the Super Bowl, and you don't even pick the Bears? You, st- I'm picking the best games oh overall. This is historically significant Get because Peyton Manning got past the Patriots. The number one playoff game, the real number one playoff uh-huh. game, is the 2015 AFC Championship game, Baltimore versus New England in New England. Baltimore was up 14 twice, 14 nothing in 28-14, only to let Tom Brady, the GOAT, come back twice. And then, of course, the squirrel, Julian Edelman, on a throw. Uh, I guess it was a backwards or reversal. I don't know what it's called. Receiver pass. Lateral. Yeah, yeah lateral thank you. It was pass. a throw to Julian yeah. Edelman, who then looked deep for Amendola. They practiced it all week long. They found the time to do it. Bam, jam, thank you, ma'am. Uh, 60-something yards for a touchdown. The former golden flash with a golden moment. Julian Edelman to Amendola. Led the Patriots to the Super Bowl where they beat the Seahawks. You picked a lot of Patriots moments. No, I didn't. Yes, I you pi- did. I picked the best games no, you, in the playoffs. You picked a lot. No. Oh, you saved the Patriots game for number one? It's historically significant. Grow up. At that point, Peyton Manning had never gotten past Tom Brady in the, Tom Brady in the postseason. Cool story. Nobody cares. <laughs> By the way, speaking of that Bears-NFC championship game, hey, Reggie Bush never waved Brian Urlacher ever. Oh, yeah. He ran that screen like 96 yards for a touchdown, and he waved, and then I think the Saints didn't score the rest of the game. Of course. Hey, uh, we're going to do it for our show today. Don't forget Logan High Basketball tonight on 610 AM KV New. Skyview Basketball tonight. uh, On this station, 106.9 The Fan. Aggie pregame at 6 o'clock here on on KV on you. And then, of course, Jazz Basketball already – uh, beginnings. That's going to do it for tonight. We'll see you on Monday. Recap it all.